0: Okay, we're continuing with our series on prophecy and continuing with the teachings of the Ramchal, specifically on prophecy. Where we left last week was we learned a progression of how a prophetic experience filters down in the mind of the prophet we learned that there's the revelation and that filters down to the imagination the imagination filters down to images and we didn't say this as clearly, but then the images filter down to thoughts last week we did three, this is the fourth level is to thoughts and then the thoughts become translated into prophetic language I'll go over that again there's actually five levels here the prophetic experience filtering down to the imagination and if you remember the Ramchal said that when we're talking about imagination here it means nothing that's coming from the person it's not that the person is imagining it's just that the imaginative powers in a person are a very very high level when they are clarified and so therefore this prophetic experience filters down into the imagination but whatever images which is the next stage come from that is, is coming purely from from God and the experience not from our own imagination and then those images become enclosed in thoughts and then those thoughts are translated into prophetic language. When we read from the prophets, that's how it got down into the actual words that we're we're reading. And the very, very important point that we made last week, which he mentions a number of times, is that prophecy does not depend on God giving... Someone a specific message To be given to specific people That prophecy in its most general Understanding and usage Is a prophetic experience A spiritual experience Where the person Is totally aware of being connected to God And then The round says And we'll get to it either today or next week That One of the possibilities of what can happen in a prophetic experience is that God will transmit to the prophet a specific message. But really, when we're talking about prophecy in its most general sense, we're talking about a deep spiritual experience of clinging to God. So that's where we left off last week. So now the Ramchal says... a a very short but incredibly important uh, lesson he says that we, we have to realize that a prophet does not attain this high level all at once that he must elevate, he or she must elevate themselves step by step until reaching full prophecy and he goes on to explain. Therefore, a person who wants to experience uh, prophecy has to be an apprentice to a a prophet. <laughs> and, and, he, and he said, "What <laughs> Harry Potter?"
1: <laughs>
0: That's, I guess, where it filtered down to. <laughs> So he says just like any other discipline or craft or body of knowledge one has to learn how to become a sitting vessel for this kind of experience. Can we see
2: examples of that in, in that? Ah,
0: so that's the exact next sentence <laughs> that he says. He says this explains what the Bible means when it speaks of the sons of the prophets if you look there is 8 or 10 places in the book of Malachim in Malachim Aleph but particular uh, Malachim Beth and even more particular surrounding the whole story of Eliyahu Elijah the prophet and Elisha and it mentions about 8 or 10 times this idea of the sons of the prophets and they were they were apprenticing to Eliyahu and as we mentioned before that's what we said that there were schools of prophecy in Israel it was a a systematic attempt for people to reach the highest spiritual levels
2: that that's a good
0: question I would say no for a number of reasons first of all this might come as a surprise Bethel was 13 years old oh. when he was chosen to do the Mishkan oh. 13 years old oh. Shlomo Amalek was 12 when he became king. So, I actually just read a very, very interesting thing about this questioning how does a 13-year-old, why a 13-year-old being chosen? There must have been more advanced craftsmen. And this I don't want to get into it too much, it will take us way off, but we have to understand that Betsalel was Betsalel ben Uri, Ben Hur, from the tribe of Yehuda. If you remember, Hur, when Moshe fought Amalek, two people held up his arms. It says in the text, not the midrash, in the text, Aharon and Hur. So Hur, we, we don't know that much about him, but he must have been very special if it was just him and Aaron holding up Moshe's arms. But we know why, because he was from Yehuda and Yehuda are the kings, the leaders and then it was Hur when the people wanted to build the golden calf according to the Midrash who tried to stop them and he was killed he was killed so in a sense of poetic justice so who is going to build the Mishkan which is considered an atonement for the golden calf but Salel ben Uri ben Hur Mm
1: -hmm
0: he's going to be the one to build the Mishkan. But it says, and I think this is the real answer though, it says in the Torah that God filled him with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So I don't think that in his particular case that he apprenticed to Moshe, but he, he, and another Midrash says that he was chosen from from the seven days of creation to be the one to build the Mishkan so there's a certain sense of, of destiny here or determinism that Salal was, was already chosen but nonetheless it said that God filled him with wisdom, understanding and knowledge that he didn't necessarily at 13 years old have it all but God chose him for the two reasons that we... One, we mentioned, but we don't know why from, from the seven days of creation he was, he was children. We don't know that exactly, but he was filled really by God with this kind of wisdom.
2: Yeah, I don't want to get us off the track, but I'm fascinated by the idea that there were schools, wisdom schools, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. prophecy schools, and at some point, it, if you could tell us more about that, how about right now? And, and why they no longer exist you know, unless they do in another form? I'd be very interested in that. Okay, so that's—I ex- mean—that's exactly what we're
0: Beautiful. we're learning here. Whether they still exist, they do, but not in the same manner, not in the same intensity, and not in the same quantity. But <coughs> uh, the learning. Learning from one's teacher, if it's in these fields of, of, of Kabbalah, is as close as we get today. So in, in smaller, I would say more secret uh, societies, I don't, know, I don't know if that's the right word, um, this information has been carried down into the present. So, so wouldn't Yeshua? Yeshua was Yeshua. Yes, so he did. He, he did apprentice
2: the whole time. He, yeah,
0: it was says was that he never left the tent. It says in the Gemara. It says in the Gemara that a student doesn't truly and fully integrate his teacher's teachings until forty, until learning with him for forty years. And this is the type of relationships that we're talking about. As, as we know the, this teacher-student relationship in Judaism is, is crucial it's a, it's a soulmate type of relationship and it's in most cases it's a lifelong connection and so therefore when they said it takes 40 years they really meant it because people used to be attached to the rabbis for their rabbis for their whole life for their whole lives so uh, I, mean, I understand this from my perspective as I've been learning with Bob Ginsberg this is uh, 33 years now mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: 33 years. So I'm inching towards the 40 years
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm inching towards the 40 years
2: you mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> in
1: 40 years of study
2: with you, right? I've been many students. I mean, don't put
0: me like a 98. I would mm-hmm. love to be sitting here 40 years later, <laughs> <laughs> lucid, <laughs> with enough energy to be able to well, teach everyone here. What? <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. So continuing. So he says like this, that in the learning process, it's possible that the young student will experience prophecy and and not understand that it's actually prophecy coming from God. We actually touched on this last week, but this is where he actually says it. In other words, since the prophet has to go step by step, so we would imagine that in the beginning, he through, through meditation and concentration and intention, he's reaching all kinds of levels, but he's not really sure. Well, is this the real thing? Was this really from God? And so, therefore, the says that this is why the student needs the teacher in order to really guide. And, and monitor what he, what the person is going through to be able to uh, counsel them on how to go to the next to the next step and how to integrate what they've experienced. All of this doesn't necessarily come naturally. I'm sure all of us have had deep experiences and then afterwards we weren't hundred percent sure of what to do with it. like, Okay, I had this experience, but now what do I do with it? So that's why the student needed a teacher. So he brings two examples, though, of <coughs> prophets who didn't realize that what they were experiencing was prophecy. I won't go over too much as we touched on last year. One was Shmuel. When God calls him as a, as a little child, calls him Shmuel, Shmuel and he gets up and he thought that it was Eli, the high priest and he goes to him and says, yes, you've called me and he says, it must have been a dream go back to sleep and then he hears the voice again and he goes back to Eli but this time Ellie realizes that he's being called by God and then God appears to Shmuel and speaks to him so in the beginning he was experiencing it but he didn't know how to identify it he didn't know that was God calling him. The other example he brings is Moshe at the burning bush. Hmm. where, And he says like this, he says, at first the bush was revealed to him as if it were something that he was experiencing with his physical senses. Which is a very en- enigmatic statement. In other words, was the bush there or wasn't it? like was there a physical bush burning and he saw it or God revealed this vision to him that was so real that he took it for a physical burning bush and only when when God began to speak to him from the bush then he understood that God, God was speaking to him so those are the, 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 the two examples. So someone mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know of a, a, a total answer to this that some of this obviously is a little bit subjective. In other words, mm-hmm. how do we know mm-hmm. that's why you need a teacher.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: let's say someone goes and need a teacher, that's why you need a teacher, because someone goes into a deep meditation and has all kinds of experiences or visions some of them may be scary some of them beautiful and it's not always clear from where are these things coming from it's the same thing that we talked about in reincarnation uh, in past life regression uh, therapy that even though I believe that that it's very very possible through that kind of therapy to contact your previous lives it's also very very possible that what is being reviewed to is not really your past life but it is all kinds of very deep subconscious and unconscious feelings and experiences from all kinds of possible sources and so therefore how do you really know if you've uh, experienced that or not and let's say for example in which uh, what was it called many masters many lives many mm. lives many masters so in it so she begins speaking like old french i think something like that mm. that you she she didn't have that capability but she went even if it was a movie she saw and everything it, it wouldn't have been so lucid like that. She actually went into um, speaking another language fluently as part of this this regression. But I'm only bringing that up because it's the same here. One experiences things and one needs a very very experienced guide to make sure that what they're experiencing is is Real, and is coming from God, because he will he will point out as we have that God made the world that there's there's an equal and opposite reaction to everything, and so even at these very very high levels, it is possible to hook into some very negative energy, which is a little bit of a wonder. But uh, the Call points it out, and we'll get to it. That that's just the way that God made the world.
2: Yeah. Am I right that this yeah. is a kind of Jewish theme that um, that ends up uh, with our being a kind of moderate people? It, it ends up with us uh, not not buying uh-huh. into extreme kinds of things very easily. There's a certain um, uh, there's a certain positive skepticism in other words just the example that you use, we're not so ready to say yeah this is it whereas um, I think that many other cultures and religions are more easily ready to say yes this, this must be it and so that for instance we have you know where there's the same sword. there's somebody else who says, uh, no, maybe not, and look at it
0: from another angle.
2: And mm-hmm. here's yet another
0: example. Mm-hmm. So,
2: do you think that this
0: is... That this I think there's something to that. I think there's something to that. Yeah. But I just have to point out that he says a number of times that when a true prophet experiences true prophecy then they know a hundred percent that it is true and real and it's coming from God. But again, until you reach that level, there's many, many pitfalls. And so what you're saying is correct. That's why you need a teacher to say, you know, maybe this is coming from something else. Maybe there is different forces leading you to this type of experience. So now, know he, he says. Can I, can I yeah, say? yeah.
2: So, prophets like Yermiyahu and Yeshayahu, did they have teachers? Because it just seems so much in the, the books in their that, that just Hashem appeared to them uh-huh. and said, "Go." And then Yirmiyahu said, "I don't want to go. I, I don't. I don't want to. Don't send me."
0: Okay. So in some cases, as he'll he does point out, there are cases where prophets were. Chosen without this rigorous training, but that is not the general problem. Even though, like we know from the Midrash, the Midrash fills in so much of what we don't see in the text. So, right, the book begins, and God's speaking to the prophet as if, like, just one day, just yeah, uh, almost arbitrarily, God's chose this person. But that's that's not our tradition. The tradition is that these people reach incredible levels before God spoke to them. That's the general principle even though he says there are exceptions. There are exceptions. So then he says that those who train themselves for prophecy, they 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 must do so through a number of specific disciplines. And the the purpose of these things is to make them worthy of having the highest influence come down upon them and also in order to help nullify the hold that the, their physical nature has over them in other words it's it's mentioned all over the place that the more we are masters of our physical bodies and cravings and desires the easier it is to have spiritual experiences it does not say to nullify the physical or to degrade the physical but it, all teachings in this area talk about that the, our relationship to our, our physical body has to be that we're on top of things and that we're not uh, driven by our our physical cravings and also our emotional uh, cravings also as long as we haven't mastered anger or patience or jealousy we're not going to be able to reach the highest level these things are preventives from reaching this kind of this kind of level
2: but here you did mention the word nullify that they go through certain steps in order, you said, to nullify the hold, the physical. Passage. Yeah, but, but not, again,
0: not completely, because we were not commanded to fast every right. day. We're not commanded yeah. not to have relations, uh, marital relations when uh, and Shabbos we're commanded to eat and drink and enjoy. The only question is, is who is in charge here? Mm-hmm. His, the, the, the Koska Rebbe who was known for like liking to say kind of shocking things so the, the Hasidic custom on Shabbos every bite you take was a covered Shabbos Kodesh for the honor of the Holy Shabbos he used to say the covered <laughs> the honor of the belly right because he was kind of like poking fun, not at the ones who did it for real, but at the ones who thought they were doing it for real, mm-hmm. right? But the truth is, they're starving, right? So they're doing it, they covered their mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're not supposed to nullify the physical, but we have to be in charge, mm-hmm. right? And as if we're driven by, by our appetite and our hunger, and our, our sweet tooth whatever it is everyone has their own you know, their own uh, physical cravings that are driving them uh, drugs, alcohol gambling all, all the, anything that, that drives us that we are not in charge really is, is a preventive for spiritual experience So then he says, and he only mentions a few of these disciplines. And he says these can include, not the ones that ones, if he doesn't list them, mean, meaning that they're not good. But he said they can include various meditations, pronouncing certain holy names, praising God with prayers that are intermingled with his names but that's what he mentions as As disciplines to to help a person get to this spiritual place that they have to be in in order to receive a prophetic experience and the key one here is certainly meditation and prayer Mm -hmm. now this can be combined with anything though in other words Torah learning if one is learning the text one can go into a very meditative state while learning a meditative state can be experienced while singing while dancing while being with nature Music. Music. music just walking down the street on Shabbos one can just bliss out on Shabbos so meditation really encompasses virtually everything because if you do something a a mitzvah you're lighting your Shabbos candles that becomes a channel a vehicle for deep experience
2: Dr. Irving I probably know you can't answer this question but you know last week you said that you know we all have the capacity for this Which I know, not that any of us are. But what would be your response to um, people who have, let's say, um, have a, a lifelong feeling or fear of an event that 30 years later somehow it's occurred? and it was was just a, a feeling of fear. What would you say about
0: that? I mean, there are there's so many therapies now that um, that actually work in these areas. Um, I'm sure you know many of them. Um, Rahul has practiced <laughs> with many people who have had traumatic experiences. That's not my field exactly, but there are certainly ways to delve in there and, and get to the core and um, and banish that fear.
2: No, but I mean, what would you say if they have that intuition or fear or feeling about an event, and the event does occur? Is
0: in the future or the past?
2: In the future.
0: Oh, in the huge all oh, oh, okay. during the time that it will is that what you're saying?
2: But okay. still there, so there's therapies
0: for that also I mean but I mean could
2: that uh, be some inner knowing it, could, it
0: of, very well uh, could be it very well could be that it's very real it could, be, it could be that someone has a fear they don't know where it comes from that I'm just making this up that they're going to die in an automobile accident they just happens from the time that they're a kid and it just stays with them so again some of it might have been from a book they read when they were 7 years old and they don't really remember where it comes from it could have been from a movie it could have been they heard a story or it could be that they really see their future they really see their future
1: but that doesn't
0: mean that they should live their whole life in fear Even, 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 and they will never know that until it actually happens, even if it turns out to be true, it doesn't mean that one has to be in fear the whole life. Listen, we're all going to die. And we all know that. And some people, that's a big part of their lives for some people that's a oh, big that? <laughs> okay. yeah. 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 So a lot of people are under this shadow the right. yeah.
2: <laughs> but other
0: people but other people aren't okay. other people aren't
2: okay. word fear, I'm, I'm, not think, I, I'm not the question is about therapy there's a feeling the person has lived with a thought a belief somewhere a feeling that he was going to die in, the, in an automobile accident, and does.
0: So like I said, it could very well be a prophetic experience.
2: That's, that's, we're, we're, that's We've said a number of times that,
0: that even though we don't have official prophets now, everyone experiences a little bit of prophecy because it is in our... Our capability, it is in the consciousness. Some people have a very high developed consciousness where they can really be in touch with their, with their future.
2: I was once riding in our car when um, Sholev was a baby with Chabad and Dan we were coming down from the north. And right near Clark Chabad on the highway is a traffic light. I don't know if it's still there. There was a traffic light. And I was, t- was going to take a nap, so I, I said the Shema, which I never do in the middle of the day before I take a nap, but I had this bad feeling that something was going to happen. So, so I might as well say Shema now, because you never know. And then I woke up to this crash of a oh. car next to us didn't see the red light, and it went into the bus, and it stopped at the red light, and it was just so strange, because I just had, yeah. never, done, I had never done that since. Before yeah. taking a nap in a car, but I just had this bad feeling. And, you know, it was a very strange thing because I don't know what I picked up on in that energy of that road, that there was going to be an accident. It could have been me. I'm not saying because I said shma, I was there. I'll never know. But, you know, it's just one of those things, I think, in my consciousness, I must have sensed that there was me to say right. shma. This, th-
0: this is the mystery right. of, of a prophecy that we're talking about. It's like it's, in, it's there. It's just that virtually, all the time, we're oblivious to (laughs) Him. But it is, the past and the future are just there in the present at all times. And it's just, when you get down to it, when God does reveal a specific prophecy to a prophet, God is revealing the future to the prophet in the present. That's like, for example, when when Yirmiyahu wrote Echa, I didn't know this for many years. We read Echa on Tisha evening. And you read it all about the destruction, very very detailed. All of it which was true. But I only found out many years later that he wrote it before the destruction of the temple. Echa was written before the destruction and God showed him not that it must end up this way because if the people would have done tshuva it wouldn't have happened but he he showed him exactly what would be and it's the same thing in the book of Devarim in the book of Devarim we have the classic paradox in Parsha Re'eh it says Re'eh Anochi Noten Likneicham Hayom Barachal Bekhala look, today I'm putting before you a blessing and a curse, and then later it says, to behind and choose life. The classic free choice uh, statement. I'm putting both before you. You have the you have have the, the, the freedom to choose. But then, in in most of the book of Divine, Moshe tells the people from God, "This is what's going to happen." Like Hazino, so all the time we have the freedom. So the same thing. Yemiel revealed this prophecy from God, saying, "If you don't do truth this is what is going to happen."
2: In regards to <coughs> past, present, future, and that there is something we can use, which is the idea that. If we want to know why our body is the way it is now, we
0: look to our thoughts of the past. And if we want to see how our body will be, we look to how we're thinking now. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Very good. Actually, I I can't believe you just said that. The past, present, and future, because um, I'm always playing around with ideas for new books. And, And because... I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm really enjoying all this preparation. So, if I write a book about prophecy, I, 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 that title popped in my head very clearly Prophecy uh, Past, Present, and Future.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I can't believe that you said that.
2: <laughs> I do not have the ability to predict the past. You yeah. <laughs> we were laughing, but there was a um, scientific article from Israel by a physicist who did, he's trying to see if our thoughts in the present could affect the past. So he did, um, mm-hmm. like, distant healing on different groups. He's Russian. It was done here in Israel. And, and, and he found there was a change by those who received dis- distant healing. the past. Statistically, it was... Wait, can you explain that, though? I can't really explain yeah. it. I, I don't really understand it, but it was a scientific study that was quoted in an article. But how
0: did... Uh, uh, because... How did it affect the past? That's I just not
2: reinvent Because he did a blind study where two groups from hospitals were divided up. Mm-hmm. And a certain group got distant healing going back Mm -hmm. in time and then you looked at the results of their
0: wait wait, what does that mean going back in time? I'm just really trying to understand this there
2: were people who 15 years earlier had a certain disease blinded study broke them up and then when you looked at those who their survival rates there was a significant significant difference in those who had received healing and those who haven't Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what was the healing? did I think it was energized healing?
0: I'm still missing something why am I keep on asking because the Gomorrah the Gomorrah says specifically that if you do tshuva from yira you you repent from fear or awe then it changes your past in the past purposeful sins into inadvertent sins and if you do tshuva from Ahava, it changes your past purposeful sins into merits. So that's why I keep on asking because the Gemara says that you can change everyone else. Well, how do you change the past? The Gemara says you can change the past. So, I'm so, yeah. But can someone explain to you how does it change the past?
2: the all statistics and they studied different healing. first they would try to see you know, if the person was in the room across, but then they said, well, touch is an influence, and then they would separate them. But then they said, but, you know, maybe they know. Or they kept trying to, mm-hmm. you know, So, so over distance it's mm-hmm. proven. Uh, mm-hmm. So this was over time, this was an attempt to to, 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 exactly what you're saying, the past and the present and the future. To look and see if, if the path could be used. And he said, yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And proved it with his study. Now, so someone else is doing the healing from a distance. Yes. It's to the well, it's very similar to the whole concept of what is creative mm-hmm. and the impact of our thoughts. Even the example I get, a day before, if somebody has a fear of an automobile accident all their life, that thought is very powerful. It's mm-hmm. literally creating.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
2: And so, I can see that if. You know, the whole kind of, you know, affirmation and all that stuff. But I, I'm just saying, the power of our thoughts can create a change in our bodies and our mm-hmm. present. And that must be to the past. Because if your body is ill now, it was in there two, three, five years ago. So it's all changed. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so fascinating. Just to add that there really is the understanding that every cell has a mind of its own. Mm. So are no so really even of mm. making new, and your cells are making new. But if your cells keep remaking themselves with the old memories mm. and then thoughts, are neuropeptides. So that's why they connect healing with thoughts, because every thought produces different hormones and chemicals. Mm. Mm. So you can produce neuropeptides that are strengthening your immune system, like interferon and interleukins, or you can produce ones that are breaking you down. Mm. So if mm. your thought process keeps coming back from something that created difficulty in your body from before, it's really still there because it's still your past your present mm-hmm. the future of mm-hmm. the one. So there are levels of your healing mm-hmm. to go. Some mm-hmm. people call it ethereal, astral, I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's there. So if somebody is assisting you in changing that pattern, because you can receive, as long as you a receiver, you receive uh, it. Wherever they okay, right? okay. make space okay. for Hashem. So if you're making okay. space for positivity mm-hmm. and love, Okay. You are able to receive that, which can start changing the way your body is processing and change the thought pattern. Right? you call it mm-hmm. e You know, e mm-hmm. coming mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. for change. So, in the dynamics of life, there are so many ways to receive. And change happens in spite of us sometimes. You know, All right. but so I always so to know. wonder about yeah. the negative prophecy. Because there, the prophet is bringing into the reality of the thought something really horrible. <laughs> And so, where's the place where? I mean, obviously, the request is for Tshuva, but the, the vision is one that is so
0: negative. But the but the idea is not that it will become permanently fixed there, but it will cause the people to do Tshuva. So, you're right, it is a negative. I mean, Echa is like as negative as you can get, but the underlying
2: theme was, right, it didn't work? Right, it, didn't work? So it didn't work? So then, i just been wondering huh. if. if Maybe if but it, there was a positive prophecy, then that might have
0: put. But in, okay, but in Nineveh it did work. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Jonah came and said, That's in three way. days the city is, is is being overturned. Pretty pretty negative, and yet it it influenced them. It uh, prodded them to do chuba on the spot. Right, but that was a very minor. Like you didn't go into the
2: detail of how horrible it
0: would be. Right.
1: Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe they needed to hear that. Yeah. The Jews yeah. needed to hear that so that they would do Shuva. No, I'm talking but about Yahoo or yeah. Echa. They didn't. Yeah. They
0: didn't. But we free choice. Yeah. Even with all the prophecies in the them world, themselves. it doesn't take away our free choice. Because of the moment
2: that you leave Ahabah, when you're not correct declaring something of your path, it becomes a marriage. Yeah. 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 And that love is through prayer,
0: anything we're learning? It says specifically to do tshuva from love. You're motivated to do tshuva mm-hmm. from love. It is so powerful mm-hmm. that it can change past uh, purposeful sins into merits.
2: Mm-hmm. And what did you say in fear? Then
0: purposeful sins into inadvertent sins, like mistakes.
2: Mm-hmm
0: in other words it's good it's great but not as powerful as, as love
1: Where is that? it's in Yoma
0: it's in Yoma okay so continuing then the Ramchal says that even with all of these uh, disciplines he says the main thing though is one's devotion to God
1: mm-hmm.
0: And this is, is interesting because Rob Ginsburg explains uh, what he feels is the one of the major differences between Eastern meditation and Jewish meditation. And you always have a correction for me because you know you seem to know that Eastern meditation's the best, but he says that many. But again, I remember also when I was uh, a teenager and getting into Buddhism that the emphasis is on self-knowledge, on uh, self-awareness, self-knowledge in Eastern. in Eastern, whereas in 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 Jewish meditation, it's being connected to God. See, because in Eastern there is there isn't. There isn't a personal God. There is the universe, and there's energy, and there's all of that that we can be connected to. But it's not a con- not a connection to a a, a personal God. Rogenzick says that through self awareness we can also get to God. Why? Because God is within us. Yeah. So it's not like it's, it, he's not he's not making a good or bad statement. But he says that if if you could. In, talk in very global terms um, there are meditations that are concentrate on self-awareness and there are ones that concentrate on being close to God so that's what he says here he says that with all of these different practices the main thing is one's connection to God feeling Uh, that that's what they're opening themselves up to.
2: Or another way to say that could be that you you can't feel connected to God unless you're connected to yourself. That's also part of it. We're all interconnected and we're all part of the same unity.
0: Right. But he would explain that as what we'll call the first level, which is, again, legitimate and it's good. There's nothing negative about it. But I, mean, I just remember when I first learned meditation. That's how I was introduced to it.
2: In what? How were you introduced? What was the meditation you did? Because that was never my experience.
0: It was just basic idea of, through the breathing, becoming very aware of your inner being and your inner self, and trying to reach inner enlightenment another okay, Ramkal says that even after prophecy has been attained there are many levels and degrees he says some prophets would, would pro- prophesy many times meaning that they would have many many different prophetic experiences and he said others maybe only once or twice And that we could also understand what we'll call uh, peak experiences. Sometimes, you know, you daven Shmona three times a day, do Kabbalah Shabbat once a week, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur every year. But still, you could probably count on your on one hand how many of those incredible revelations one had in prayer. So that's really what he's saying here some, some prophets were just qualitatively and quantitatively mm-hmm. tuned into these experiences and others uh, maybe only experienced it once or twice mm-hmm. but they reached that level that we're going to call true prophecy and he said though the quality uh, I don't know if that's the best word but he uses it the quality of the prophecy is determined by one's attachment to God that becomes the the main thing that we've said over and over and over again Uh, I think there really is something to the direction of our whether it's doing mitzvot or even doing kindness for other people or meditating or prayer and each one experiences a different way there's the experience where it's an inner experience there's also an experience where it is really to connect to God not that those can be divided but I'm just speaking from my own experience that sometimes I'll approach a mitzvah or davening because I want to have a high experience because I want to have a a deep experience because I want Yeshua dat or I want to experience bliss and it's just it's just because that's what I want and it's a a good wanting that's a good wanting but there are other times and even when you do a kindness for a person it's because it's a fine line because I want to feel good that I'm a good person more than the actual doing of the kindness. and these are very human human things that it says, there's no tzaddik on the earth that doesn't sin. I think it's in Mishle. I like it's,
1: that. And
0: so they, yeah. they ask, well what, what does that mean? I mean, tzaddik is sinning? So it explains what it means is that even for a tzaddik to reach a level of pure motivation, there's no one who doesn't have a little bit of of ego there doesn't mean that every time a tzaddik does something there's ego but it's just saying we're not perfect we're not angels as much as we want to do for others and for God and be close to God we have a very helpful egos that uh, is looking for the, the self awareness and the self uh Uh, spirituality of of the moment and so therefore that's what he says here he says the quality of the prophecy will be equivalent to how much we're actually clinging to God in this experience and how much of it is really coming from some inner need even if the inner need is a good and it's a positive thing but we're told that will determine the the quality.
2: Does he actually use the word sin?
0: In the in the in pasuk, yeah, it says,
2: yeah,
0: no, yeah. A... yeah. But they ask like, the well, it's like an oxymoron, a sadic sinning. Like doesn't make sense. So they explain that for for a sadic yeah. not having pure motive is like like someone going out and doing a a blatant sin everything is judged according to the level that that one is on ok now he says something okay, so we brought up this idea of a prophet being an error so the Rampal actually goes into a long discussion we'll just we'll just like do the beginning of it where he says that sometimes a, a recognized prophet who is well-versed and totally knowledgeable in the ways of prophecy will be given a message from God and certain information that he then imparts. He said, but sometimes... a a prophet on a lower level may also be given a message he says but it's possible for the prophet to be in error when he delivers his message so (laughs) the the example that he brings we already brought it up about with Jonah the specific message that Jonah is given to give to the people of Nineveh is Nineveh will be overturned that's, that, that was the message. And Jonah, because he tried to, tried to run away from the prophecy, it already hints that he might have not have been on the highest level of prophecy. And he didn't understand that this prophecy was, we'll call it a double-edged sword. Because if they didn't do tshuva, the city would be overturned. But if they would do tshuva, that means that their hearts would be overturned. And not only would they be spared, but they just did mass tshuva. That's what the overturn means. So here, it's such a fine line. In other words, the prophecy could have gone either way. Jonah, though, only saw one half of it. He was convinced that the city Mm -hmm. should be overturned and deserved to be overturned. What's the word for (inaudible) overturning? Ninva nehefach, nehefachet. 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 Right, right. (inaudible) Nehefachet. Right, right. Turned over. (inaudible) Right, (inaudible) right, So so this is a very, very beautiful thing to show us that even on the level of prophecy one can misconstrue the message the other example that he doesn't bring but I'll bring is when the high priest used to wear the Khoshan Mishpat and the Sanhedrin would ask a question of great import and it says though if the Kohen was on the level meaning he was on the level of being a channel for God's energy. The, the lights of the stones would begin to shine and on the stones were written letters of the names of the tribes and messages would be written and that would be written would, would be perceived because letters in an order would light up but then we're told
2: Nothing. yes, exactly
0: and th- but we're told that they were not the letters did not come through necessarily in a chronological order and the people then had to interpret how to put those letters together yeah Mm-hmm. how to put so those letters together uh-huh. and if yeah. they were on the level if they were on the level they could
1: yeah.
0: and if they weren't then it, 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 it remained a mystery what, what are we being told here
2: Who was uh, interpreted the letters?
0: I would say it was probably a combination of the High Priest the Prophet and the Sanhedrin that's a good question I'm, I, I don't know how to answer that exactly but it makes sense. Is one of the three or a combination yeah. of the three? So this is a, a very, very interesting thing that even at the highest levels of prophecy, nothing, like there's no guarantees here. No. There's no guarantee that it will be completely understood. But we have a tradition. And that's why in the Tanakh, there's only a handful of prophets, even though we're told there was a million prophets in Israel. So there, in other words, the people were having prophetic experiences, but there's only right, a couple of handful of prophets who came with messages for Am Yisrael and the whole world. That we have a tradition; they—they're no mistake here. This, they were on the level to give over exactly what God had said or they wanted have ended up in the Tanakh they wanted have ended up in the Tanakh so they there was a tradition that their words could be totally relied upon We totally relied upon
2: wasn't there a question about Mithilat Esther whether it should be included within the Tanakh within the Mithilat
0: yeah but, the, but this was this not decided by prophets this is decided by the sages, many of them who had d- divine inspiration.
2: Right, so, so was uh, the Megillah there. And then Esther, what I heard was that Esther pleaded before them, uh, include me in the, in the Tanakh, include me, I, I forget the, mm-hmm. the words, and, and it was. It was included. <coughs>
0: okay. And Esther was considered a prophetess.
2: Yeah. She's one um, of the seven. Forgetting the words. Um,
0: She's one of the seven. Uh,
2: forgetting the words that she said. But it was very strong. Uh,
0: it, it's very likely what you're saying is, is correct. I think it's a
2: method.
0: But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, chronologically, oh, the, the decision as to which 24 books to include in the Tanakh was made around 100 CE. It was at the time of Rabbi Akiva. Mm. And it's, I don't remember which tractate, but it's written in the Gemara. It was in an attic. It was during the Roman persecutions.
1: Mm.
0: And they were, it was a very secret thing. But that's when they codified what would be included and what wouldn't be. Mm. But this is after, technically, the age of prophecy had ended. And it ended a few hundred years before. Nonetheless, uh, we learn here that, that divine inspiration is just one step down from, from prophecy. Very, very connected. It's just one step down. And that never totally ended, nor, nor did prophetic experiences totally end. It's, it's the same thing, for example, not that long ago, when people would go to the Ariza and ask him to reveal to them their previous lifetimes and the Ariza would tell them I don't think anyone left there thinking maybe he made a mistake do you know what I'm saying? in other words, the the Ariza it was just on a level he was accepted that if he told you that this was your previous lifetime you, you, you you wouldn't question it you, you just, that's what it would be. That's what it would be. I mean, closer to our age. So many, many, many people experience the same thing with the Babaji. Mm-hmm. The dollar bill. I don't know what that
2: was all about. I about bringing the dollar bill.
0: He, he would hand out dollar. He would hand, he would hand out, out. I did it one time. So it was awesome. It was awesome. There were thousands of people. You know the expression, the line went around the block. Okay. Literally, there must have been five thousand people in line, and you you actually stand in front of the rebbe for maybe five seconds, maybe. And I, I mean, we stayed in line for hours. W- was it worth it?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was it worth why. it? <laughs> it just it, it, it says not on you, just to look on the face of a sadik is like, hmm. it's, it's not so simple, mm-hmm. like, that's all. Those blue right? eyes, you know, in front yeah. of him. The way <laughs> he, would, he would look oh. at you, is just like, yeah. so. well, he did this every Sunday. He stood there,
2: right.
0: into his early 90s, mm-hmm. for yeah. eight hours, he stood for eight hours, wow and handed out, but each person he's giving a bracha to some people would stop and ask for a specific bracha and he would respond and then they would like shoo you, because if everyone tried to talk to him for even one minute so like only hundreds of people would be able to do this and he did this for years years and years and years and years and he handed out a dollar bill what? to no. hold uh, up his head? maybe but they, you know he was surrounded by his, his you know yeah, right, by our own accord. do we know why that tradition
2: started for
0: him? I'm not that well versed but it's known that the Rebbe had all of these what are called nivsa'in all these campaigns uh Tefillin, like, just in one Sabrangan, he said, you know, we should try to put Tefillin on as many people as possible. Within a year, there's, you know, Tefillin at every bus station. And train, <laughs> right? So at one point, I believe, to encourage giving, the whole point is when he would give you a dollar, I think you're supposed to give two dollars to Tzedakah right and the point was the point was that he was he was encouraging yeah he was encouraging people to give sedaka, and he insisted on doing it himself right? and in that way hundreds of thousands of people got dollar bills uh, from the Rebbe and had a chance because at that point in his life he was not doing what's called yachidah for 10-20 years he would see people privately and spend ten minutes with them, five minutes with them, a half an hour with them, whatever. At a certain point, there was just so many people, mm-hmm. it was not possible. Then he took groups. Mm-hmm. He would see groups of people at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then he started with the, the dollar bills. That was his mm-hmm. way to be in touch with the people. He wanted to be in, literally in touch
2: yeah, with I the people. And he
0: handed out the dollar bills.
2: His and, giving yeah. to, to the other person. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow, this is amazing so this fits in exactly you know maybe I'll end with this we're mentioning listen to this this is amazing he says he says that many times the prophet was directed by God in the prophecy to do a certain act so he brings as example um, Yermiyahu was instructed to wear a linen belt you want to look it up, it's in Yirmiyahu uh, Yudgimel 13, Jeremiah 13. In another instance, he was told to place a yoke around his neck. That's in Jeremiah 27. The prophet Yechezkel, Ezekiel, was told to trace a map of Jerusalem on a brick. That's in Ezekiel 4 this is what he says here I'm going to read his words because I could never say it as good he says in cases such as these the act was used to stimulate the highest forces in the manner required by the nature of the particular prophetic concept in other words there was something about this act that was intrinsically connected to the prophecy that went along with the act so when this act was completed, the forces were readied and designated to translate this concept into action at the proper time. So this is something we'll actually, we'll get into, we'll get into more, where the the act of its sonic has incredible repercussion it's it, the humor itself it says even the mundane talk of the sages is worthy of study <laughs> worthy of study if the sages are talking about the weather it's like listen carefully because you don't know, because ecstatic is operating on many levels at the same time Even even their mundane words, let alone their actions. So here, we can be sure that the that the had a very very specific purpose in handing out dollar bills. Do
2: you think he's always said, in God We Trust? That right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Maybe? Maybe.
0: Maybe. Yep. Never yes. no. I don't think so. I don't think he mentioned that.
2: It's so that they have all these stories that happen now, later and later and later. <laughs> so you can find random, like, Rebbe dollars in places like India after losing their whole wallet and then finding the Kabadah and then coming back. There's like mm. like that. <laughs>
0: so this is a beautiful way to connect it to this idea of the just that here we can though that God instructed the prophet to do a certain thing because that was the way he said he's like freeing up a certain energy to be able to flow into the world even though we don't understand a writing a, a, a map of Jerusalem on a brick yeah. not, not that we understand what this do but, but he said clearly that this, this somehow this act allowed certain energy to come into the world that was then connected to the prophecy and that without that act even though it seems like a simple act of putting a belt on mm-hmm. was needed which, which connects very very deeply to the, to the idea of all the myths that are connected to physical actions or objects or speech and it's not all up here or in here. It always is going to be connected to a physical act or object or speech because that becomes the channel to allow certain energies to flow into the world. So we can end with a, a bracha that we can do that also. In other words, we can invest our daily actions to have as much kavanah as we want. Mm-hmm. The there are all these stories of the, 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 the Rebbezens when they're making their Shabbos soup mm-hmm. or they're making their Shabbos challah. The, what intentions they have. Right. What we consider the most simple mundane things become, become channels for infinite presence to flow into the world, infinite spiritual energy.